The madness continues. Westwood One, NCAA Radio Network. The Coach K farewell tour has one more stop. For a record 13th time under Mike Krzyzewski, the Blue Devils are going to the Final Four. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. You are listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and streaming live over on ESPN+. Plus. She is Amber Wilson. I am Courtney Cronin. We're taking you all the way up until 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's Friday afternoon here on ESPN Radio, the men's Final Four down in the Big Easy. Action tipping off 6.09 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday night. Number two, Villanova taking on number one, Kansas followed by the granddaddy of them all, UNC Duke, one of the biggest rivalries in all of sports, facing off in the Final Four. That game following Villanova, Kansas at 8.49 p.m. Eastern. Let's tap in now with Joe Ovius from 99 The Fan in Raleigh, North Carolina. Joe, you've been on radio all week. I can only imagine what the airways have been like in the triangle. What's the feel among fans in North Carolina as Coach K embarks on what could be his last game, which we've been talking about every single game of the tournament, but knowing that the stakes are that much higher because they are facing UNC, what's been the reaction locally? It, it is, it's been the easiest week of radio I've ever done, which I feel like we are all owed this after pandemic radio when there was no sports going on. So this was the easily the easiest week of radio that I've ever done. Um, I think the, the, the current mood right now, it, it depends on, on what dynamic you're, you're talking about. If we're talking about the fans, then it's a really stressful week. Uh, this has been something that we've talked about in the area for a very long time. Nobody talks about the 1971 NIT meeting between Duke and Carolina. Closest we got to a Final Four situation for Duke and Carolina was actually back in 1991, where they could have met in the national championship game, which Duke goes on to win. Carolina got knocked out in the semifinals. And the hypothetical for me has always been, it might be something to fun to talk about, but if you're a fan, this is an argument ender. All right. Like all the rivalry games, all the buzzer beaters, all those moments. Well, yeah, we just knocked you out of the final four and maybe we go on and win a national championship. That's an argument ender. I never thought we got it. We would get it. Instead. What we had was the greatest regular season moment in Duke and Carolina history at Cameron indoor stadium to close out Mike Krzyzewski's career in that building with Carolina winning. We all know what happened, obviously. We know the, the way the postgame was kind of awkward and everything else. And Carolina fans had their moment. I was like, okay, well, we're not going to get this Final Four thing. We got this, though. And that, to me, was the argument ender. The Final Four meeting, I think, it, the context to it, it's important to bring up what happened to Cameron because it really is tied to what we're going to see on Saturday, which could end with Carolina literally ending Mike Krzyzewski's career in this game, or Duke using this as a way to kind of pivot from that game in Cameron and get a storybook ending for Mike Krzyzewski. Joe, Greeny said something crazy a few days ago, so I'm, I want to get your opinion on it as somebody who's okay. in the triangle, okay? because yeah. he said yeah. on his show that the rivalry ends here and so that this is actually no. a bad thing because it ends here one way or another. There's going to be a definitive end to this because somebody will know essentially that they're better in the highest stakes than the other team. And then also because Coach K, of course, is going to ride off into the sunset one way or another. Do you think yeah. Coach 
HK's departure is going to harm the rivalry or any of the outcomes present could harm the rivalry? Is, is any of that possibility? I would ask Mike Greenberg, and we've talked to Mike Greenberg a bunch of times, and we all know he's great. And sometimes he can get a little too caught up in the moment, uh, which I guess happens when you're a Jets fan. And he, I mean, this is the same guy who gets hyped up about every quarterback draft uh, that happens. So, I mean, did the Yankees and Red Sox end after the ALCS uh, when uh, when the Red Sox came back from three games to one? I mean, the Yankees didn't pack it up. You know, it's, Derek Jeter didn't retire in that situation. So the rivalry is going to live on. And Mike Sheps, he's got five national titles. He's got gold medals with Team USA Basketball. He has a long history of success. This isn't going to really change much of anything. It might be embarrassing, but it's not going to change the overall conversation around Mike Krzyzewski. It's just going to be an unfortunate footnote in his career that he loses to Carolina in his very last game in the NCAA tournament. Now, to your question about the rivalry, I do think, though, that the element is going to change because, you know, it. To be in the triangle, and I, and I know your producer, Shannon Penn, understands this, too, because he spent time with us in the triangle uh, doing radio, there, there, there is a one-way level of heat that's directed at Mike Krzyzewski. You know, they, they don't like Mike Krzyzewski. They don't like the players that come through for Mike Krzyzewski. I think that leaves when John Shire takes over. There's, no, there's not 40 years of, of misery associated with Mike Krzyzewski teams ruining your season or beating up on you. John Shire hasn't done any of that stuff yet. So I do think that element is going to change, and maybe it gets a little nicer um, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. We shall see. Uh, but I know Hubert Davis, head coach at North Carolina, is all business when it comes to Duke, and, and maybe that's what ends up becoming the, the new sizzle factor, that Hubert Davis really has no time for Duke, and Duke fans might feed off that going forward. Joe Ovius from 99 The Fan in Raleigh, North Carolina, joins Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson here on ESPN Radio. Okay, enough about Duke. There is one more team in this (laughs) rivalry, uh, and it's North Carolina. In a season for the Tar Heels that has been – as much about like revolution as it is evolution. I mean, Roy Williams, he had a sudden retirement. Brady Manick, the transfer from Oklahoma, ends up coming to the Tar Heels to finish out his college career. And their storylines are a plenty for this team that dealt with a lot of change, a lot of growth, some turmoil in there. How will we remember this Tar Heels team that is an eight seed, the highest seed of any team remaining in the Final Four? And what should people know about them that maybe we we don't know because it's this game is so overshadowed by Coach K, his legacy, and, and potentially what could be his final game as a college basketball coach. Pride is probably the biggest thing that I would associate with this Carolina team. A lot of teams will have these inflection points, and we see this across sports. Um, you'll have an embarrassing loss, and sometimes the season can unravel. And in college, it's tricky because with the transfer portal, guys going pro, you might just say, you know what, screw it. it is, we just don't have it, and uh, we can't get out of our own way, and we're going to move on. You know, a lot, of the, a lot of the inability to get through to players is a, is a reason why Roy Williams retired a year ago today. I mean, we're a year ago to the day that Roy Williams retired as we're getting ready for this Final Four featuring Hubert Davis, who we wanted to be the next head coach. So Hubert Davis deserves a lot of credit of getting these guys to buy in and believe after the lowest point, which was a pit loss where former Carolina player Jason Capel, who's now an assistant with Pitt with his brother, Jeff Capel, the head coach, uh, basically when he was leaving the court, he was calling them, he was calling them soft. You know, it's like they're, they're, they're pretty. Like they, they, they can't take a punch. They used that. They motivated themselves. They used getting blown out by Duke in their own building uh, 
uh, as motivation to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium. The biggest thing about Carolina is at this point they are unbothered by their competition. They're going to come out. They're going to play their game. They're going to hit big shots. Leaky Black, I think, is underrated in terms of what he's doing defensively, taking their best players on the other team out of the equation. And that's why Duke might have the more talent. Duke might have revenge on its mind. But I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a high-level game that Carolina absolutely can win because they are unbothered by what Duke brings. Joe, finally here on the way out, you were down in New Orleans. What is the environment like down there? (laughs) Um, You know, I... I'm older now. Uh, I, I, I know my limits. I try to stay away from Bourbon Street. Smart man. Uh, these days. So uh, I had my fun uh, doing that 10 years ago when there was a Final Four here and a Super Bowl here uh, nine years ago. But I, I think right now, um, it's, I think people understand the magnitude of what's about to happen with Duke and Carolina, this historic thing, this rivalry game. The first time in the Final Four, we're not just two teams from the same conference but two teams from the same state. This is the first time that's happened, playing in a Final Four. And Duke and Carolina elevate the game of college basketball like no other. ESPN knows this very, very well. I mean, the highest-rated games that show up on ESPN are these Duke-Carolina games. So uh, right now, when you walk out on the street like any Final Four, it's just a really good time. It's people who love college basketball. They know they're going to see some high-level things on Saturday at the Superdome. Uh, if you know, if you got a good sight line in the Superdome, if you're actually going to be in the building. And I think everybody's just hoping for a really, you know, as Rashid Wallace might say, you know, both teams play hard. That's all you need. Just both teams play hard. That's all we want. And uh, hopefully it'll deliver. It was 70 degrees down in New Orleans today from what I saw earlier this afternoon. I think that all major sporting events like the Final Four, like the Super Bowl, should be in places like New Orleans. I think every year that it's done down there, it's done so well. Um, And it's going to be an incredible environment. I am jacked for Saturday night. The men's Final Four tipping off 6.09 p.m. Eastern time with Villanova in Kansas, followed by the granddaddy of them all, UNC and Duke, meeting for the first time in the Final Four, 8.49 p.m. Eastern time. He is Joe Ovius, 99 the fan in Raleigh, North Carolina. Carolina, kind enough to join us here on ESPN Radio. Joe, thanks so much. Anytime. All right, we're going to continue this Coach K conversation. Going to open up the Canty call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Two-parter here for you. Are you buying what Coach K is selling about UNC and Duke not being about the rivalry in the Final Four and also – since it is Final Four weekend, do you want Coach K to go out a champion? Triple Eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We'll take your calls next here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. ESPN Radio. Women's Final Four action tips off tonight. South Carolina and Louisville. The first game of the evening, seven p.m. on the East Coast, followed by. Second-seeded Connecticut, the UConn Huskies, the underdogs in this one, facing off against Stanford. That following the first game at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can stream all of the Final Four madness tonight and throughout the national championship over on ESPN+. You can also watch those games over on 
the linear network on ESPN. This weekend preview is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico today and see all the ways you could save. You are listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. She is Court- She is Amber Wilson. I am Courtney Cronin. It's that time of the evening, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. So the men's Final Four takes place tomorrow night, and we have talked ad nauseum, Amber, about this Duke-North Carolina rivalry and whether the rivalry is playing into this game that takes place in New Orleans on Saturday evening. If you ask Mike Krzyzewski, who has been the bell of the ball this entire month of March, well, he's not so convinced. Here's what he had to say about the Final Four in UNC. I haven't looked at it as us against Carolina. I've looked at us, we're playing in the Final Four. So the history of that, I've, I've not paid any attention to. Uh, but in answer to your question, I'll pay attention to it right now. Usually we've been high seeds if we're in. And if you're in a high seed, they've tried to put you know, conference teams in where you wouldn't meet until the end. That is Mike Krzyzewski, Duke head coach from Thursday's press conference. Are you buying that, Amber? I'm only buying it from him. I'm not buying it when we hear it from the UNC players and the Duke players, and we have heard things like that from both of those camps throughout the week. They're saying all the right things. But the reason I actually believe it from Coach K, and listen, I'm not one to believe the coach speak, but I do feel like if you are the coach, particularly if you're the coach and you're at the end of your career one way or another, it doesn't matter who you go through on your way to a championship. All that matters is him trying to win a championship this season, or even frankly trying to make a final four first and then trying to make the national title game and then trying to win a championship this season. So the steps in that process are the same, no matter who it is that you have to go through to get the result. And so I do think that the rivalry matters so much to fans. And I think it matters so much to the student bodies and so much to the student athletes. But in terms of coaches, I I don't know if, the rivalry really has any more bearing like it's already so significant that you're in this position in the final four would it be any different for coach k if they matched up with villanova or kansas probably not either way it's a big time matchup and coach k is trying to win a national title in his last season ever as the head coach of duke yeah i mean if he doesn't get past north carolina on saturday night nothing matters we'll just know that hey His career ended in the Final Four. It ended against North Carolina, and that's how we will remember the end of Mike Krzyzewski's career. So, of course, you're not going to make it about the rivalry because you still have one more game to hopefully play come Monday night against Villanova or Kansas. But there's a lot of pressure on Duke right now, and that's obvious considering what happened the last time these two teams faced off. In Cameron Indoor Stadium, there were like a 100 former players on the floor with Coach K pregame. He's giving speeches. Everybody's clapping for him. UNC comes in there with Hubert Davis as their head coach, looking at all of this saying, guys, this is our chance. Like, they are so not focused on this game alone. We need to go in there and we need to compete. And that's exactly what they did. North Carolina ignored all that buzz because it wasn't about them. It wasn't for them. It was for Duke and Coach K and relishing and all of that. And you know what happened? North Carolina beat Duke 94-81 and spoiled the last game for Mike Krzyzewski at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Now, if they would have done it all over again and had the chance to go back and maybe like tone it down a little bit with the celebrations, 
I tend to think that Mike Krzyzewski probably would have wanted to do that because that's got to have left a sour taste in, in his mouth. That's the way that he goes out at home. We're going to always remember that this happened. But this time around, the pressure that is on these players to come through for their head coach, to send them in the, themselves and Mike Krzyzewski to the national championship is enormous. And nobody knows that pressure of playing for Mike Krzyzewski better than J.J. Redick, ESPN NBA analyst, who is on NBA Today, talking about how he feels for Duke players in this very moment. I actually feel bad for these guys. I feel bad for them. Look, every Duke player that comes to the program and gets to experience Duke basketball and playing playing for Coach K, there's always pressure, and you want to maximize that experience. But this group has a very unique undertaking in trying to make sure that K goes out on top. That was J.J. Redick on NBA Today talking about the pressure that Duke players face this year. And it's a pressure unlike any other for the likes of Paolo Bancaro, Mark Williams, Wendell Moore Jr., A.J. Griffin, um, Trevor Keels. I mean, there is, this is enormous. Like, for a player, I don't think you could give at me any other circumstance that would match up to what these players are going to feel on Saturday in trying to get Coach K to the national championship. And for them, it matters that it is UNC. I just think for Coach K, if you were to ask Coach K, would you rather beat Carolina or would you rather win the national championship? Now, I understand those two things are related. You have to be able to do both. You can't do one without the other. I understand that. But I think that the answer for Coach K would be, I'm just concerned about getting a championship, obviously. For students and the student body, and the fans. I actually think it would be well if we take care of business against Carolina. Like, eh, fine. You know, we go on to lose on Monday. But as long as we take care of business against Carolina, there would be something sweet about that. I think that Coach K would not feel like that. I don't think that Coach K would be satisfied at all, even if it is Carolina, even if this rivalry does exist. So I do think it's a different vantage point for the coach than maybe it is for the student athlete. And certainly a different vantage point for fans, ticket prices for this game, just to be able to get in. And of course, you end up paying for the first game as well, which is Villanova and Kansas. But as of Wednesday, I was taking a look at the average price of Final Four tickets, just over $1,050, while the most expensive ticket started at a little over $13K to watch Coach K in what could potentially be his final game, that occurring on Saturday night down in the Big Easy, number two Villanova. Nova against number one Kansas 6:09 p.m. Eastern Time tip-off followed by UNC Duke 8:49 p.m. Eastern Time. Those games over on CBS. Straight ahead, diving back into the NFL with the AFC win total over/unders that came out this week. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and streaming live on ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio. Less than a month to go until the NFL draft. So, of course, win totals have already been released, even though teams are going to look very different a month from now throughout the NFL. We will get to those momentarily here on ESPN Radio, on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and streaming live over on ESPN+. Plus. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson taking you up to 7 p.m. Eastern time. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Want to join in the conversation at any point this evening? 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. You can also hit us up on Twitter. My handle, at Courtney R. Cronin. Amber 
numbers at Amber W790. So the AFC win totals are out, and they're probably what you would expect. But we're not going to bring in our our producer, Shannon Penn, to ramp up some NFL music, to get us juice, to talk about a ga- games that are, what, nine months away at this point? Mm-hmm, Who doesn't early. get jacked for the over-unders when the win totals come out? There's no such thing as an off-season here, Courtney. Never. Never. Never sleep. So moving on to the AFC win totals, I'll give you a team. You tell me if you expect them to win more or less. And, uh, Courtney, I will start with you because i got a feeling I know where Amber's going to go on this one. The Miami Dolphins right now, according to Caesars, listed at 8.5. So, Courtney, do you have the Dolphins winning more than 8.5 games? I do not. I will take the under here. This is a bet against Tua and his arm strength. Not necessarily his accuracy. I mean, he's got a lot of weapons around him, but how do they end? Are they going to dink their dink and dunk their way down into the playoffs? I'm not so sure. Um, can Teron Armstead stay healthy for a full season? I mean, that's going to be a that's a big key acquisition for them on the offensive line, and I'm just not so sure. So I will take the under there at eight and a half. Although Courtney made a good point about Teron Armstead's durability, I am absolutely taking the over. And I'm not taking the over because I necessarily believe in Tua any more than Courtney believes in Tua. But I believe in that defense. It was already elite last season. They were able to maintain that side of the ball, even in terms of its coaching staff, even with the departure of Brian Flores. I believe in this new head coach. I don't really know why. I just kind of like him. I don't really have a good reason for it. I don't really know if it was Shanahan or Mike McCarthy. But I'm, I'm ho- I mean, Mike McDaniel, but I'm hoping it was McDaniel instead of Shanahan. Uh, he seems cool so far in his press conferences. But He wears simple, linen shirts and linen he, pants. You know, I mean, what's not to love? Of course, he's got the vibe. But most importantly here, they gave Tua the protection. They gave Tua the weapons. They gave Tua the help in the backfield. And they gave Tua the fastest receiver in the entire NFL. So even if Tua is not, does not have the arm strength, as Courtney Cronin would say, he's got the fastest receiving core above any other receiving core in the NFL. They'll be able to get those yards after catch. I will definitely take the over here for the Miami Dolphins. All right, moving on. This team made one of the biggest acquisitions of the offseason in landing Devontae Adams. So, Amber Wilson, I will ask you, the Las Vegas Raiders currently sitting at eight and a half based from Caesar Sportsbook. Do you have them winning over or under the eight and a half win total? I'm over with the Raiders. I'm high on this team. They had a really tumultuous season last season. And for the majority of that season, frankly, overperformed based on everything that they were going through. And that was because of their quarterback. And they've still got that guy at the helm. But now that guy has a weapon unlike any other in Devontae Adams, who I do think is the best receiver in the league. I'm going under on over rather on eight and a half for the Las Vegas Raiders. I am too and I am a little surprised about this because this essentially is calling the Raiders a 500 team and like you had mentioned Shannon all the things they did this offseason to bolster this roster namely with their pass rush and also with Devontae Adams that's a massive disappointment if they only win like eight games so I'm taking the over on eight and a half the AFC West is the hardest division in football it is going to be the most rewarding division to watch though and last year this is a team that had the over under set at seven and a half and they overachieved in spite of everything that they were dealing with off the field they made the playoffs at 10 and 7 give me the over on the Las Vegas Raiders all right, we're doing AFC win total over and under here on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin. Let's move on to the next team. All right, Courtney, the Indianapolis Colts currently listed at nine and a half. 
Do you have them winning over or under that win total? I'll give them the over there. I think that's fair. I think that they have stability that they lacked under Carson Wentz. And most of this team is the same as it was during the offseason. You know, they, they too, a team that bolsters their pass rush. But they need receivers. So with the right to change this at a later date, considering I did come in this segment talking about how these teams are going to look very different after the NFL draft, I'd like to see the Colts go out and get a couple receivers in the draft to change what the outlook of this roster looks like. You need somebody to be a number one unless you are truly relying on Michael Pittman to be that guy. Um, Then you need a number two if that's the case. So go ahead and give me the over on the Colts. I like it because I think the rest of their division is not very good. Yeah, can I push on the Colts? Because I feel like nine and a half is about dead on. Can you push an over and under? I don't, I don't think, think so. That's I why I that's how it works. I guess I'd go with the over, but like just slightly. I, and I, you know, I don't love it. I feel like I feel like they're they're right where they're probably going to be because, like you said, of the receiver issues there. But everyone kept saying that if they just had a viable quarterback, and listen, even at times with Carson Wentz, you saw it, right? And Matt Ryan doesn't have to be the next coming. He just has to be as good as Phillip Rivers was, and I think he can absolutely do that and then some. So I guess I'll go over, but not very over, like like tiny little hair over. Okay. All right, let's move on. Over and under for the Cleveland Browns. The number is currently sitting at a nine and a half, Amber. What you got? Over or under on the Browns winning nine and a half? I'm going under. I'm going way under because to me, this win total is predicated on Deshaun Watson. And I don't know when Deshaun Watson is going to be playing football for the Cleveland Browns this season. And if I had to guess, I would guess that Deshaun Watson is missing half the season with a suspension at least. So I'm going under for nine and a half for the Cleveland Browns for this yeah. season. No, me too. I mean, this it's hard to find nine wins on their schedule to begin with. Like, remember, when the league added the 17th game, they got nine home games last year. They had now have nine away games in 2022. So... It's not like it's a gauntlet of a schedule. I mean, they've got the Falcons on the road. They've got the Panthers on the road. They've got the Texans on the road. Those are three right now that I think you can go ahead and chalk up as you know early season Ws. But how long is Deshaun Watson going to not be playing for them if he is indeed suspended? Like, you confident that you're going to get to nine and a half with Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback? I'm not so sure. I think that they – it's very hard for me to find nine wins. I probably think they're like an eight-win team, like maybe a 500 team just this year because of the uncertainty around the quarterback position. So I'm going with the under. On the Cleveland Browns, we've got one more here here for you. Win totals for AFC teams here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson kicking it with you on a Friday. Shannon Penn, our wonderful producer, yep. who is our last team. All right, another team that made a big splash this offseason, the Denver Broncos bringing in all Russell Wilson everything. So, Courtney, looking at the win total for the Browns, excuse me, the Broncos currently sitting at 10 games. Do you have it over or under for the Broncos getting 10 games? Um, Go ahead and give me the over on this one. Russell, Russell, what's, excuse me, I know I can speak English. Russell Wiss, Wilson? God, can I talk or is this going to end up being like Amber a bit Wilson, that gets... Amber Russell Wilson, you're dealing with a lot of Wilsons today. Oh my today. God, this is bad. Um, yeah, go ahead and give me the over here. They changed their quarterback. There, I won't fumble it that way. And I think defensively, this is still a very, very strong team as they move in a different direction with an offensive-minded head coach. But I will go ahead and take the Broncos 
plus 10 here. Nobody wants to hear us whine about our jobs. We're talking for four hours straight, unscripted. Much more challenging than people realize, Courtney Cronin. Uh, I'm going under for this Broncos team because although I think that, of course, Russell Wilson will undoubtedly elevate this offense, I don't know how healthy Russell Wilson is. I don't exactly know what Russell Wilson looks like. I The last couple years have been down years for Wilson. I think it'll be interesting to see how much of that Seahawks, how much of that was that hand injury he was playing through last season, or is there actually maybe a little dip here for Russell Wilson in his 30s? And I am not one who has thought this Denver Broncos team is just a quarterback away. I know they made some moves defensively this offseason as well, but I think 10 is pretty high. They're going to be a good team, but 10 seems high to me, so I guess I'll take the under on that. All right, there are your AFC win totals over and under which we will certainly be talking about after these rosters change significantly for some teams in the NFL draft, which is just under a month away. You can follow all of that coverage over at ESPN.com. We will have wall-to-wall coverage throughout the three days of the draft, April 28th through the 30th, so just under one month until the madness truly continues. Straight ahead, we will give our men's and women's final four picks here on ESPN Radio. I'm Courtney Cronin. She's Amber Wilson. Stay tuned. That's coming up next. ESPN Radio. A big one for the Los Angeles Lakers on Friday night. They face the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that they saw last Sunday in the midst of a four-game losing streak. And really, Amber, the season's on the line for the Lakers tonight. They are currently the 11th seed in the Western Conference. They are out of the play-in tournament territory as it stands right now. That 10 spot belongs to San Antonio Spurs, who uh, are two games behind the New Orleans Pelicans, who are the 9 seed. So Apparently the Pelicans are getting hot. Who knew? Uh, But we are waiting word right now on whether LeBron James, who is dealing with an ankle injury on top of that knee soreness that has been bugging him for the last month or so, whether he'll be playing tonight and whether Anthony Davis will be playing tonight. Davis has not played since February. He had a midfoot sprain, and both have been upgraded from doubtful to questionable for this game on Friday night. But it kind of feels like this is too little too late. Even if Anthony Davis does come back, do you really feel like this surge or it could provide some surge that's going to get the Lakers into the play-in tournament? Can they actually go anywhere from there? Sure, maybe tonight in this game if AD was to make it back. But you're right, if they don't, if he doesn't make it back tonight, I don't know if there's a point for either of these guys to push themselves to get out there, frankly, because this is a must-win situation. It's funny, Courtney, because Westbrook called uh, the last game with the Pelicans a must-win situation. And then the Lakers went on to lose that game, and now they're in another must-win situation against the Pelicans. Like, that's the point that we're at with the Lakers, where it's the Pelicans that determine everything in terms of the future of the Lakers this season and into this postseason. I don't know if Anthony Davis is going to look good when he comes back, because I haven't seen him play basketball in so so long. But also, Courtney, I don't know how LeBron's going to look, because mm-hmm. he, he really hurt that ankle, reportedly, and he left early for treatment on that road game. And, and, and I... If those guys are not healthy, and particularly LeBron, if LeBron's not fully healthy, then frankly, what does getting back a a healthy AD even mean? You need both of those guys to be healthy. And right now, that seems like a real, real long shot with five games left. Yeah, we'll find out here momentarily what the status is for both players. LeBron James chasing another NBA scoring title over the final six games of the regular season. So he certainly has something to play for. Anthony Davis, not so much. And if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, you're probably thinking, okay, 
if we are trying to trade him this summer, maybe let's not like let him go out there and let him get hurt. I don't know. I'm kind of a cynic on this whole thing. I think you should shut everyone down because this is way too far of a climb and too hard of a climb for even someone like LeBron James to put this team on his shoulders considering they were in this spot last year and they were out very, very early um, after the play-in tournament. So my opinion, not worth it, but we shall find out soon. Big game for the Lakers coming up tonight. Straight ahead, we find out what is who are NFL. Wow, I don't even know what I'm saying. ESPN Radio. You definitely want to tune in to ESPN Radio on Monday, April 4th. My co-host here, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty, will be talking to Warriors star Draymond Green, 6 p.m. Eastern time on Monday, leading into final national championship action down in New Orleans in the men's tournament. Amber can speak a little bit more coherently than I can here. Four hours of radio in my brain uh, is completely fried. Uh, This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80 and ESPN Plus. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Courtney Cronin. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. Be sure to tune in Sunday as the Bucks host the Mavs, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 12.30 p.m. Eastern time on most ESPN radio stations. Want to thank our all-star crew for stopping by the show this afternoon. Jim Spinarkle, CBS college basketball analyst John Keim, ESPN Washington Commanders reporter Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst Monica McNutt, ESPN basketball analyst talking a little women's Final Four, and Joe Ovius from 99 The Fan in Raleigh, North Carolina. All right, it is time to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out and out. You know, I actually don't like going three and out because I think like an offensive player, and I think this is actually like not a great name for a segment because I'm not a defender. I don't know, like I didn't come up with this myself, so I'm not really thrilled to go three and out as exciting as the production was there, but I guess that's what we have to do here to close out the show. I don't know, Amber, you've been hosting the show longer than I have all week. Um, Go back in studio. Shannon Penn, our wonderful producer. Uh, What do you got for us? Oh, I, I was after gonna... I just trashed the three. And I was yeah. say, after you just trash, I think uh, what's the mastermind of Shannon Penn? His three and out segment. Yeah, I, I was going to bring back a little audio that we had earlier in the show, courtesy of one uh, Courtney Cronin. We got that ready for Renee. Well, let's hit it. <laughs> oh God, Russell, Russell, was excuse me. I know I can speak English. Russell Wis- Wilson. God, can I? Talker, is this going to end up being like Amber a bit Wilson, that gets Wilson, Russell Wilson? You're dealing with a lot of Wilsons oh my today. God, this is bad. It's hard. Talking <laughs> it's is very hard. difficult. It's hard. Talking's hard. Oh, I knew that was going to happen, though. I set myself up for failure by even like saying, man, this is probably going to get cut and used as a bit at some point. Oh, so well, we, you guys we, are welcome for the entertainment. Well, we're not done, though. Hit, hit oh, no. Me. Please don't use my last like out at the last segment. That was mortifying. Wow. I don't even know what I'm saying. You know what? Story of my life, guys. At least like I'm transparent and have the self-awareness to be able to address that here on national oh, radio and make spin. fun of myself. Look at the spin. But look, but look at but that. That's great and all, but there's one reminder that we do have for you, Courtney. I'm a lawyer. You know this. Oh. <laughs> okay. At least I'm not getting all the heat here. Um, this is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson kicking it with you on a Friday. Okay. Can we actually go three and out? Or All right. Well, well here, here's a little newsy item for you guys. I want okay. to get your thoughts on it. 
Uh, Steph Curry is going to be out for the remainder of the regular season with an ankle injury, but he should be back for the playoffs. So what do you see the the Warriors obviously pending Steph's injury here? What do you see the Warriors, what they're going to do in the playoffs? I, you know, the best thing for him to do is rest. I covered the Warriors at the end of the 15-16 season when he had that knee injury in Houston and then kind of like fought his way back through that. And you could really tell that even though they ended up beating Portland and they beat Oklahoma City, that injury just like wore on him. And he needed rest so badly. And if you're a team that is vying to play another two months – you know, if you're the Warriors standing in the four seed, standing as a four seed right now, keep him out as long as possible. I think I think he should be okay, but like, don't rush it back to like try to get back for the first round. Well, yeah, there's no, there's no point in rushing it back either because, of course, you need a fully healthy Steph Curry to get anything done in the postseason. It doesn't concern me that he'd take the rest of the regular season off when we've got five games left in the regular season. It does concern me, though, the injury woes of this Warriors team generally. They need to be fully healthy and firing on all cylinders to be able to get anything done against the Phoenix Suns. Man, the West is so top-heavy. All right, let's move on to the uh, college game. I want to get you ladies' uh, picks for the Final Four, both on the men's and the women's side. We'll, we will actually start with the men first. So you yep. got Saturday, 6.09, number two, Villanova, number one, Kansas. Amber, who you got? Uh, I think Villanova obviously is a very, very dangerous team, but the loss of Justin Moore, I just don't think that they're nearly as deep as Kansas. I think that's going to end up being a problem for Villanova, so I'll go Kansas in this game. All right, I'm going Kansas, and I will take Duke in the next game. So my national championship on the men's side is Kansas-Duke. I'm going Duke as well in the next game. Okay, so women's final four as well, real quick, South Carolina and Connecticut for me. I'm going Connecticut and South Carolina too, Courtney. We didn't plan this well. That's the beauty of live radio where you talk for four hours and you never know what's going to come out, but sometimes you end up getting synergy which we ended up doing going to and out here because I talked so much and we ran out of time. Um, whole lot of basketball coming your way over the next two days. You can catch all of the Women's Final Four action on ESPN and streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. Amber and I got to get out of here. Spain and Fitz is coming up next. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. Wow, I don't even know what I'm saying.